Hello all. Welcome to another episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, The Myth of No Man Left Behind, and I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the foundation, visit the website at chiefrickstone.com. And now, on with our show. The Battle of Terror was, was fought between the armed forces of the United States and the Empire of Japan, predominantly during the period of November 20th through November 23rd, 1943. The Tarawa Atoll is located in the Gilbert Islands, approximately 2,418 miles southwest of Hawaii. The primary island in the atoll is Basio. It was also the primary target of the invasion of the United States. The United States utilized the 2nd Marine Division, supported by a naval task force comprised of 143 ships, including carriers, battleships, and 36 transports. The U.S. ground forces were led by Marine Major General Julian C. Smith and totaled approximately 35,000 troops. Prior to the actual battle, Naval units designated as Carrier Task Force 50.3 began aerial attacks against Japanese defenses on Tarawa. These attacks began on 18 November 1943 and continued through the end of the battle. During these operations, the USS Essex, an aircraft carrier, launched a total of 747 sorties utilizing 90 F-6F Hellcat fighters, SBD Dauntless dive bombers, and TBF Avenger bombers that were in the arsenal of the carrier. Only one fighter and one Dauntless dive bomber was lost during the SSS exit attacks on Tarawa. Two crewmen lost from the Essex SBD Dauntless became the first casualties of the Battle of Tarawa and both these brave airmen remain missing to this very day. The Battle of Terrell was the first time during World War II that the United States faced any serious Japanese opposition to an amphibious landing after the invasion. The Japanese Army and Navy assigned a total of 3,714 combat troops and about 1,200 Korean construction laborers. Together, they implemented a creative, and very effective defensive plan. After a period of intense naval and air bombardment of the island, at about 9 o'clock in the morning on November 20th, the Marines assaulted three primary invasion beaches on the north side of Basio Island. They were designated as Red Beach 1, Red Beach 2, and Red Beach 3. Due to incredible ignorance of the tidal conditions prevailing at Tarawa, Many of the unarmored plywood landing craft became humming up on a reef at the edge of the island lagoon. The distance from the reef to the beach varied from 500 to 800 yards, a little over a quarter mile up to a half a mile. The initial landings at Terra were accomplished under expected weather conditions and try to picture a beautiful South Sea Island environment. 
partly cloudy sky. Cloud bases at about 2,000 feet. A surface wind east to southeast at about 12 knots. And a very slight speed C. The temperature was 81.5 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity was 82%. All phases of the initial salt, surface and air bombardment, strafing of the beaches, and the actual landings took place under favorable weather conditions. Despite the perfect weather, Terrell was soon transformed to a cauldron of smoke, flame, fire, and the screams of dying men on both sides. The defensive fire from Japanese artillery, mortars, and machine guns was extremely heavy against these sitting targets, and casualties mounted quickly. Many Marines abandoned their landing craft or were discharged prematurely into chest-deep water. They fearlessly attempted to wade to shore, only to become casualties long before reaching the beach. By the end of day one, the Marines held only a very small beachhead on the island, and the bodies of their dead floated in the lagoon and washed up on shore with the tide. On day two, which was November the 21st, the Marines on Red Beach 1 were mobilized to attack toward an area on the western end of Basio designated as Green Beach. Japanese resistance remained heavy, and naval gunfire and air support was called in on by the Marines against pillboxes, gun emplacements, and other enemy fortifications during most of the day. The gunfire killed the Japanese commander. His death severely hampered enemy command and control for the remainder of the battle. The western end of the island was secured by the evening of day two, and the task of temporarily burying the dead began behind marine lines. This was accomplished by combat personnel with absolutely no training in the identification of combat casualties. On November 22nd, additional Marines landed on Green Beach on the western side of the island. Organized attacks by U.S. forces continued throughout the day, and Japanese troops were pushed steadily toward the eastern end of the island. Japanese counterattacks began in the late evening of November 22, 1943, and continued through the early morning hours of November 23. With increasing U.S. pressure mounted during day four of the battle on November 23, Japanese forces were finally reduced to only isolated pockets of resistance. These were completely overcome by about 1.30 in the afternoon on November 23. 1943. In the aftermath of the battle, a more organized effort by Marine and Navy chaplains was begun to identify and bury the dead Marines on Basio. These burials occurred while other Marines were securing additional islands in the atoll against light Japanese resistance. Almost immediately, Navy Seabees began constructing the airfield on the island. They actually completed a Japanese airfield that had been utilized by the Japanese Air Force. During 1944, occupational forces on Tarawa made an effort to identify, beautify, and photograph a total of 41 different cemeteries scattered all around the island. 
These cemeteries contain graves varying in number from a single burial to the largest cemetery with 153 interments. In 1946, the 604th Army Graves Registration Service, AGRS, known as AGRIS at JPAC, arrived on Tarawa with instructions to consolidate the 41 individual grave sites into a single cemetery on Basio Island. This was accomplished after much difficulty in finding and identifying the dead. The bodies that were located were disinterred wrapped in a blanket, placed in a wooden casket, and reburied in a single cemetery designated as Lone Palm Cemetery. Agris brought with them on their transport ship almost a thousand wooden caskets. They would hardly need half of them. The remains that could not be identified by Agris were designated as unknowns and assigned an X number. A total of 282 X numbers were assigned to skeletons that could not be identified by AGRIS personnel in the field. Each unknown was examined by a dental officer and the teeth were charted. The skull was photographed from three different angles with the intent that these photographs would aid in future identification efforts. After months of searching and digging, AGRIS found 532 bodies. 1,090 American deaths are associated with the Battle of Tarawa. Unbelievably, 558, and let me repeat that number, 558 American Marines, sailors, soldiers, and airmen were left behind. That is almost exactly half of all of those killed at the Battle of Tarawa. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday, when we will post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries, Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. Tune in for our next episode titled, The MIAs Who Never Were. You sure don't want to miss that one either, as it will tell you about the cases of eight American Marines who were officially listed as missing in action for almost 70 years, but who were never missing in the first place. How does that happen? Well, we'll explain it all in our next episode of History's Military Mysteries, Missing in Action. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that Poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>